0: Well, I guess I just cleared my throat on the air. Unbelievable. I must be losing my way here. You're listening to IBGR.news. IBGR.news is a news service from the IBGR.network. And we are the number one global business news and talk Station or network around the world. And the reason we say that is that we're higher, we got a higher ranking on our website than anybody else. So let's just go with that one. All right, so let's bring you the news. Now, if you are in uh, Australia, in one market, or in our Indian markets, it's late in the evening. If you're in Africa and Europe, it is midday. And if you're in North America, the sun is just coming up. So let's get to it. IBGR.news, IBGR.news, when you get to the newspaper, that's what this is, this is our electronic newspaper, a couple things bring to your attention before we start. You can see that yes, we are advertising, we're number one, Uh, we're at least number one in our hearts. Okay. Below that you have the navigation bar that will take you into the IBGR system. Now, that system comprises of just a couple of things, but basically we have IBGR News, which is our information source, giving you information, trending information, that you need to hear about what's going on out in the marketplace. Based upon our algorithm, we search for stories, it creates electronic newspaper. It's the foundation of what we do. Uh, IBGR Network now is talking specifically about how to start, grow, or exit a business, and it provides insights and tools to accomplish that end. And it's collectively these two organizations together that provide us with the full featured offer we have. Now below that you see there's a podcast section and what we do is we record our 30 minute or twice a day 30 minute um, news segment. And the reason for that is uh, we have 100 news feeds. We select four or five today. I have five. Uh, Why did we pick those? If you go down below that, you you can see where we are broadcasting our reference times, Sydney, Mumbai, Greenwich and New York. And those give you your times. Now let's come on down. Why intellectuals are so upset by the injustice of the market economy. Great article, Um, and uh, I believe that's Noam Chomsky on the cover or on the photo there. Uh, I'm not going to go through it because if you are a follower of ours, you know that one of the things that we try to be very judicious about is not going into politics. Uh, so we are definitely political around here. We definitely have very strong political beliefs, as I believe you would if you are if you are a small business owner. You cannot be politically agnostic because nobody can kill a business owner faster than a stupid politician or a stupid bureaucrat. Uh, however, I would recommend you read that. I'm just not going to cover the story. That's basically what I'm saying. Uh, if you go down to four key points of entrepreneurial capital, consolidate your business. We talked about that um, was today Tuesday. I think we did it on Friday. And one of the things about our algorithm is that it is very it's very attuned to just a few things, and if it doesn't find it, then it'll replicate some older stories. Uh, right to the left of that uh, is Harold uh, Harold Demnas and Israel Kirshner. Understood the competition regulates markets. It's an excellent. Uh, story for anybody here who wants to be an economist as a business owner. Now, why would you want to do that? Pretty simple is that if you understand basic economics, then you can tell when most of the politicians out there are lying to you. And trust me, is that most of them are. Because what they rely upon is the fact that uh, that most people don't understand economics. When you un- understand economics, you can smell the BS coming out of their mouth over the TV set, or you can smell it over the radio. And so I recommend that. Israel Kirshner, Ira, Ira Kirshner, is uh, one of the greatest economists of the 20th century. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. But if you're interested in entrepreneurial capitalism, what does capitalism look like in small business world, Ira Kirshner is, you must read him. All right, we'll go down a little bit farther. Uh, debunking the Capitalist Cowboy, uh, that is a politically charged story that I won't uh, bring up to tear up. Okay, but the one that we can start with is here by Entrepreneur Magazine on how financial technology can help move us uh, closer to wealth equity. And I, I originally passed it up because the word equity is, is is politically charged in that it means something other than what you think it means. And so, yeah, you know, if to put it into context for you, we're moving from a society where um, is of equal opportunity to equal outcome that's what equity means in this particular equality means in this particular case and you can't have capitalism and equal outcomes because capitalism is based upon smarts hard work and some luck and there's no way you can say oh, well everybody ought to be successful if that was true what fun would there be to this okay so if you open this up on financial technology let's hit a couple here now Really, the one I want to hit on the hardest is that decentralization of finance and uh, DeFi. I mean, I absolutely agree. As I read the article, I went, oh yeah, I definitely want to deal with this. So let's take a little bit of it. The phrase wealth inequality may sound like something only progressives or activists are fond of using. Now, when I read that, I went, okay, you got my attention. However, it is reality experienced by countries all around the world. The gap between the rich and the poor countries to widen even amid increased access to education and economic opportunities. Uh, throughout 2020, the wealth of billionaires grew larger, while many of those in the lower income brackets found it difficult to get by due to the pandemic, uh, as restrictions and movement uh, took place. All right, so uh, bum 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 was down. Our one emerging innovation, and you're going to hear because I got several stories around this today. One emerging innovation in the world of finance is the world is worth examining in the search for a solution to wealth inequality is Decentralized Finance or DeFi D-E-F-I writing for the Global Policy Journal equo- Economist uh, Marianne Lebron and Juergen Brownstein uh, Mr. Brown uh, characterized DeFi as an opportunity to democratize finance and decrease wealth inequality it can be it can provide a force for good that helps advance the goal of closing the wealth gap and improving the lives of many okay so we got gobbledygook gobbledygook uh, feel good stuff rather than let's, let's get at the hardcore alright so new decentralized roles essentially DeFi is like traditional finance system without the innovation, intervention of institutions that regulate transactions, policies, products and services it is designed to enable freer markets that cannot be controlled or influenced by large institutions for a benefit of few it somehow, it somewhat exemplifies the laissez-faire principle of economics, the free market without intervention from central control. Now, you owe me, okay? You you know, had me at hello, because really what this is about, and this is a worldwide trend that's going on right now, we've got a couple more stories here, and Af- Africa, you know, was, is the seabed of humanity, Africa could be the seabed of a totally new financial world. But what this is getting at is the truth, is that the problem with banking, all of you out there, who deal with banks all the time, the challenge you have is they're all government controlled. All of them answer to some central bank, In every country you go to, you have a central bank. If you're in the uh, European Union, you've got the ECB, the European Central Bank, uh, Deutsche Bank in my mind, uh, in the US, you got the Fed, so everybody has got a central banking system, and they do not make doing business simple. And in the United States, we had the Patriot Act that really violated some of the basic principles of, of financial security in that the government has the right to read everything that you're doing. The government can subpoena your records without telling you The banking institutions can turn you down uh, for reasons that are unknown to you. To your money and yet, what are they doing with it or your whatever the method of exchange is. And so this is a great movement going on. And I I think that if you're looking to do a startup, fintech, again, we're going to talk about today, uh, is an industry you might want to consider. If, in fact, you're not in that, follow fintech, because this may be how you're doing transactions, better transactions uh, around the world, because In some of the data that I've looked at is something like 40% of the people in India don't have banking accounts. So how do they transact? How how do you do business if if you've got a B2C model in India and you're selling to consumers and they only have, they're only paying in hard currency because they don't have banking accounts? How does that work? Well, this is going to change everything. Good article. Good article. Thank you, Entrepreneur Magazine, for doing that. All right, let's go back to IBGR.news. Let's go down. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about subscriptions. So scroll on down several um, panels. Uh, as you go by, Kenya leads the world in peer-to-peer crypto trade. We talked about that yesterday. That's a great article to read within the context of what we're doing here. Does capitalism, uh, the one right next to it, does capitalism Capitalism need some Marxism to survive the fourth industrial revolution? Not hardly. Uh, this is more of the... Uh, the great global reset stupidity. All right, now you receive the newsletter. When you come down to that, you see subscribe. Please do that. All that's going to happen is twice a day, you're going to get in your in your inbox a mail, uh, a newsletter saying here's the latest news coming out. You click it, it, brings you here. We won't do anything else with your email. Now go ahead and click it, and then it says load 85 more. Now reality is it won't be 85. There's it'll load the it'll load portion of the next 85 up. All right, and again, there's 100 in the feet. Now, I want to come down, we're coming down one panel, two panels, three panels. INS surveyed 54 unicorns. I want to do this one just a little quicker because of time, and it's there's a point I want to raise with this one. Alright, so what's a unicorn? If you're not familiar, a unicorn is a company that's valued over a billion dollars that is not publicly traded. In other words, it's not traded on the stock market. Typically, these are startups that have a heavy, heavy dose of venture capital. To be valued at a billion dollars, you're not going to do that from growing from cash. Okay, let's go here. All right. so the INS surveyed 54 unicorns of these 24 unicorns have either flipped or were incorporated abroad mostly due to foreign investor risk okay All Indian founders who started off in India, a significant number of have operations of primary market in India. Nearly all have developed their IP intellectual property using Indian resources in India, human capital assets, government support, etc. Flipping, is commonly agreed, results in materially adverse impact on the national economic interest. Now, here's what's going on. A flip means it's an Indian company. The Indian government helped start it. It's got uh, all the internal... Uh, capital, everything that they used to build it all came from the country of India and now suddenly what you have is a situation where it's been flipped and the country, the company is no longer in India. It's been flipped out to wherever the home country of the venture capitalists is from and more than likely that is the United States. Well, if the government in India is going to invest, uh, it makes some sense. Okay, so reason they flip, reasons uh, avoiding Indian regulatory landscape. Now India is really working hard on the land uh, regla- regulation taxes, okay, and various um, regulations that they're doing. So India is working at this, okay? All right, various international investors force their investee companies to flip abroad, okay? So this is the, you know, there's an old saying, when you sleep with the devil, you got to give up the booty eventually, um, if you're doing business with VCs from the United States, uh, they're going to be controlling what you do. Uh, the third one here is most of the business from overseas clients, and these clients want uh, want to contract with overseas parent company only. And this is not, this is not a valid reason. Only um, the the okay eh, story just falls off right there. All right, Place there. Ford number four favorable foreign policies nations like U.S. and Singapore are adopted to attract startups investors. Okay. And desire to be publicly listed overseas now the big thing here is that the point point i want all you uh, small business owners who are thinking about going this direction the thing i want you to consider is this when you go to the third round of financing let's say you have no angel investors and you go to series B, uh, C, excuse me series a is the first round series b is the second round series c is the third round you will not own any of the company Okay, so just get over the fact that it's your company. If you go to the third round of financing, unless something really is weird has happened, you're dealing with people that are not too bright and your lawyers are incredible, you're gonna wind up owning another thing the company. So when you take your company public, if that's what you wanna do, you wanna bring investor capital, here is this here what you, your mantra you say to yourself, one time, and if you must break that, twice. And then after that, no, never. All right, let's scroll on down. Oh, we got to do another. You got to go down a couple of um, panels, and then you'll see something that says load 69 more and load that. And then the next one we're going to do is we're going to how to succeed in an enterprise startup partnership fast company. And the reason I like this one is it's picking up the themes that we've got here. We've just talked about uh, financial technology being a way of of sharing the wealth so to speak and getting government out of day-to-day transactions which really are none of its business of course if a government uh, official was on right now they'd be telling me uh, that's none of my business what their business is all right so hey yeah, you know, what can you say uh then we had the one on the flipping so let's talk about another alternative here how to succeed in enterprise startup partnerships that's the third story of the day fast company you know them pretty well we used to one of my prior consulting firms, we used to use Fast Company as our advertising. In fact, we're one of the first advertisers that they signed on. All right, so the way this starts off is from the large corporate perspective. I'm going to turn it around. Imagine you are CEO of a large, well-established enterprise. You are, um, you are under interesting pressure to address the demands of continued growth, a meaningful ESG, uh, which is. Uh, some sort of a social justice stuff a flicker and more diverse customer base a changing regulatory environment and all the fallouts the pandemic just starts all right and so what they're saying is that what you're looking to do is you're looking to get into into new businesses disruptive businesses and here is where i disagree with the article a little bit here and this could be because of um that, 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 uh, this could be simply because of a difference in language. Okay, all right. So, uh, so you're captivated by the idea of engaging with a startup to help transform the enterprise. Now, here's what's important here: when you look at this from from the from the lens of a, an economist, there are two types of within capitalism. Okay, if we take capitalism as in a pure form, uh, as we look at businesses, there's two types of economics there is innovation economics and there is invention economics large companies are in the innovation business almost none of these large companies are what you would call disruptors which is what we are and the reason for it is they've got so much embedded cost and infrastructure for them to scrap everything that they do and take over and basically start with a clean sheet of paper pretty difficult for them to do I I can give you, for every one I can give you that's done that, um, I can give you a 1,000 that haven't. And so as a larger corporation, what they typically look to do is that they understand that the market's going to get disrupted. And they understand that they don't have the ability to disrupt it because they can't think of it in any way other than the way they've been doing it. And so if if something needs to be improved upon, large corporations do that very, very well. If it's something that's brand new, they don't. And that's where we are as uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs is we are the disruptive economy. We are the invention economy. And so what this article really gets to is not that large companies can do this. In order to be successful, what they need to do is they need to partner with people like you and me because this is we're making a living at disrupting what's going on. Uh, they're making a living at continuing what they're doing. And uh, if any CEO in a publicly traded company scraps everything they do, <laughs> there have to be an incredible crisis to pull that off. And the best example I can give you of that, and even if even it's not a total um, disruption new market, is when uh, Lou Gerstner took over about 30 years ago at IBM from John Akers. And IBM was strictly a hardware company. And within two or three years, Gerstner turned them into a consulting firm. Now, what happened is they didn't abandon hardware. But that's probably the best example I can give you. And it's only happened because uh, IBM guy couldn't do it, John Akers, who a career IBM, good CEO, but couldn't do it. Good, um, they brought in a guy, and, um, and Lou Gerstner worked at McKinsey. All right, so a couple things to consider if you're looking at partnerships with small business. All right got to look at the fact that you got radically different cultures, ways of thinking, and talent profiles. good example of this, though it wasn't two small companies, it was two large companies, was what happened when AOL and Time Warner merged. By every fact on a f- fact sheet, that was a perfect merger, and yet in reality, it turned into a nightmare. Um, okay, number two is ensure the machinery of the enterprise does not stifle the startup's uh, agility. Now what that means is that you probably do not want to impose your operating principles your standards your financial rules on top of them you got to let them run autonomously so if you're looking to uh, you're looking to take on a large corporate partner and they're trying to impose well this is the way we do business it, it ain't gonna work uh, I know number one you would not be happy with somebody telling how to run your business because it's your business but fundamentally it would ensure that the, this thing didn't work uh, Look out for if they want to transfer a ton of people over to you, all right? Again, they're buying you because you're, or not buying you, they're partnering with you because you're a disruptor. And so that's what they're looking for. You know, if they if they stifle you with new rules and they bring in people who don't think like you, uh, what are they doing? They're disrupting the disruption. And then the last one is, you know, convince the uh, stakeholders, all right? How, what have they done to make sure that the stakeholders in the company uh, have are going to give you basically a hands-off. You're going to get enough runway to do what you got to do. So a pretty good article, fast company. Like I said, I have some affinity for them because our first advertisement we ever did uh, was with them. All right, looks like Time Wise we may be down to one more. Uh, so let's go scroll down and go down a couple panels, and you'll see is the race for technological innovation another David versus Goliath story? And here we go again, we're gonna be back off onto the, the same theme, okay? Is the race for technological innovation? Uh, another David versus Goliath story. And so a couple of bullet points here before we get into the issue, and that is, uh, yeah, is Uber really killing the tax, uh, taxi industry, okay? Uh, most of us think that's true, well, is that true? All right, so let's look at that. Uh, number two, the second bullet here, is how Netflix bankrupted and destroyed Blockbuster. Is that really true? And the third one is Spotify killing the whole music industry. Okay, these are real headlines and one or more flavors of which we have all read online sometimes or, or another. They make us think of startups and nimble new market entrants uh, as disruptors in established industries and large corporations. is old-fashioned laggards waiting to die. Yet the reality is anything but. Over the last year, we have spent seen big businesses at the forefront of technological innovation in the midst of pandemic some of the world's greatest corporations mobilized to leverage groundbreaking technologies to keep uh, vital supply chains running and developing life-saving medical devices IBM research showed that 72% of executives said incumbents drove disruption in their industry compared to just 23% for outsiders now if you read that article as it is right here What you'll find is that seems to be contradictory to what we just talked about. But that's why I picked these two articles, because in in reality, it goes into the same thing that we were just talking about, is that, and let's go with this, successful incumbents are companies that can establish close uh, uh, collaboration with innovators and entrepreneurs. In other words, yeah, 72% of them, okay, let's go back to that Let's go back to that research. IBM research showed that 72% of executives and incumbents drove disruption in their industry. You know how they they drove it? They found you. So I think it's really critical as you're looking at your business growing, and I'm not talking about uh, merger acquisition. I'm not talking about being bought out here but rather maybe one of the considerations you should have is the way I'm gonna grow my company in stages is by partnering because there are CEOs, presidents of large corporations who need what we can do and they can't do it because their companies can't do it. As far as we need to get is to find a CEO who's going, amen brother, I need what you can do. And then use that as an opportunity to co-develop, okay? co-develop the product service whatever it is that you're going to bring out with them and so you're going to build them a one-off that they can sell to their customers however you're going to retain the the rights to the ip they're going to finance this growth. You're going to get this growth in the company. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to borrow money for it. You don't have to go to venture capital because in some ways, these companies you partner with are venture capitalists because they are investing in your firm, but they're investing in your firm in the right way. They're investing in a product or service in your development, not getting some of your equity out. And this is a great way of growing your company if, in fact, that fits within your model. So I think that is an excellent story for you. Uh, to take a good close look at. Now, we're going to go one more story here, and we're going to have to jam this one pretty fast, all right? And that story is going to be, is Africa's fintech uh, sector the next frontier? And, of course, we know the story to that one. So we're going to have to scroll a little bit more. Go on down. You're going to see load 55, which means not 55, but there's 55 left to be loaded. And we're going to scroll down a couple panels, and... uh, By the way, we did uh, five types of differentiation yesterday, uh, and it was a pretty good story. I would heartily recommend you read that. As you go down below that, you'll see a bunch of coins. Is Africa's fintech sector, the next uh, frontier, and that's where we'll leave today's show. And I'm going to have to buzz through here pretty quickly. Yeah, okay. So, out of Africa. Uh, Africa's fintech sector is witnessing an unprecedented growth driven by an influx of foreign investors hoping to get on the ground flow of an eco- ecosystem ripe for innovation. The reason it's ripe for innovation is the banking system in Africa basically sucks, right? And if you're a central banker, I don't think you would be listening to this, but if this, you're a central banker, I'll say it to your face, I've dealt with you guys. I worked for United Nations Development Programs for a couple of years and we were trying to make microloans to women-based businesses, okay? Now, let and, me and just take that a little bit further. We were attempting to make micro-loans up to $500 US to uh, m- uh, women business owners because the access, women's access to capital is challenging everywhere around the world. Africa is, is, is exceedingly diff- difficult. In order to get past the currency laws, we had to bring the money in and give it to the bank in the African country for them to give out. Now, here's the deal, they're handing out our money and they wouldn't do it they wouldn't do it they say, well we can't do it we got all these rules they said no that money we just gave you right we just gave you five thousand dollars u.s because we're going to hand out five hundred dollars to ten women run businesses and getting them to hand out our money was incredible and so what is happening in africa is this incredible movement now in the time I have left, you can take a look at a map and you can see that the two major hubs, according to this study, is South Africa and Nigeria. Nigeria is actually the leader. The next tier of that is Egypt and, um, and uh, Kenya. And then the remaining three players here who are big players, and they're just smaller because of the country size, is Uganda, Ghana, and Tunisia. But uh, this has taken off. It's a, probably a story that I am I'm covering. If we do 10 stories over the space of a week. I'm probably covering this. Um, uh, I probably have two to three stories every day on it. All right. So with that, I need to be out because our broadcast day is started here in uh, Africa, Europe, United Kingdom, and then on to n- North America. So this is IBGR News. William Eastman coming from the news desk. Stay with us. I'll be back in 11 and a half hours. Have a great business day or go to bed.